Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Australian Counselling Association's industry podcast, The Counsellor's Couch. Today I'm joined by Alessiana, youth member of TUI, representing the Queensland Youth Parliament to discuss the topic of mental health from a youth perspective. Youth mental health is used to describe young people aged 12 to 25 years. It includes the stages of adolescence and emerging adulthood, which are times of great change for all young people as they establish their identities, seek greater independence and transition into adulthood, often whilst dealing with pressures from school and social environments. Hi, Alisiana. Thank you for coming in today. Did you want to tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and your reasons for coming onto the show? So I'm currently in year 12 and I'm very passionate about youth having a voice. So I participate in a couple of things um, like Youth Parliament. I'm also a UN Student Ambassador and Student Voice Network Ambassador. So I'm really passionate about engaging with stakeholders to kind of benefit the community, particularly youth, because a lot of the time they don't feel as though they do get any form of say in a lot of political decisions and things that affect their lives. So I'm very into things like debating and um, anything politics related really where I get to sort of voice my opinion and try and inspire other young people to also have their voice heard. Is there any debates that you've currently been involved in that are related towards youth mental health in particular? Ooh, um, so I've done quite a few social media debates. So um, do the harms of social media outweigh the positives, things like that, um, which a lot of the time come down to major issues like body image and also fear of missing out. So um, a lot of the time that'll be the two main issues that are kind of being discussed, um, whether or not the government have an obligation to kind of monitor things like social media when they're having a significant impact on um, people's self-esteem and things like that, or whether they don't. So that's kind of mental health related debate I've had recently. So Alisiana, you've talked a lot about fear of missing out in relation to media, in particular social media. I was just wondering your opinion on the positives and the negatives of social media and whether you think there are actually more negatives um, in utilising platforms such as Facebook and Instagram. And if you've found that you've had any of your friends approach you in relation to this as well, um, or if yourself, if you limit your use of social media because you do have an understanding of the impacts that it does have. So I think in terms of are there more benefits or are there more harms, it's a very individual sort of a question. I think if you are aware um, of the sort of things that go on on social media and that what you're seeing isn't necessarily, um, you know, someone's full life, then I think a lot of the time you'll experience more of the positives um, just due to the fact that you can connect with your friends and you can see the more positive aspects of people's lives and things like that. But I think if you aren't fully aware or probably the most dangerous is if you think that you're aware and then you go, oh, I know that there are harms. I know this can happen. But then you still, that doesn't really get processed when you are looking at other people's posts. I think then there are a lot more negatives that can outweigh the positives because you're seeing people living these lives that you maybe want to be living Um, and it might even be subconscious that you're thinking, oh, my life is not as great as this person's is. So I think, um, with my knowledge of social media and obviously the impacts it can have on people's mental health, uh, I don't necessarily limit my exposure to social media. I wouldn't say, I think I just have a very set mindset of 
this person might have spent the entire day crying and they're obviously not going to post that. They're going to post a photo from maybe a couple of days ago when they were having the time of their life. So I think it's sort of a mindset thing. And if you get into that mindset of this person isn't going to post the negatives, then I don't think social media is like overly harmful, but um, definitely it can be if you're not fully educated. Melody, have you ever felt pressured to remain active on social media platforms? I think there are certain situations whereby you do feel almost obligated in some circumstances to maintain a social media presence, particularly when you have friends that are creating social events that are only advertised, you know, throughout a Facebook platform and they sort of negate to invite you or forget to invite you if you don't have that social media presence. So I definitely think there is that pressure to conform in in that sort of a way. But I also think that on the back of that, that you need to make sure that you're disciplined. You need to make sure that you set your digital boundaries. You inform your friends about how you will be maintaining a social media presence. Um, Because, you know, through having a real life and a screen life, you do find yourself in the middle of a sensationalized and obscured reality. So it's important to make sure that you, you know, set an intention for how long you're going to use your phone or electronic each day, that you keep your phone on silent when it's not needed. And, you know, if possible, limit your phone use at nighttime so that you do have that time to relax and rewind without always being on your screen. Alisiana, in your opinion, what are the four common mental health issues that are faced by youth? So I think the main one would definitely be anxiety. So one in every three adolescents suffers from anxiety. So I definitely say that's the main one. The other three, probably depression. I think around like 20% of youth suffer some form of depression um, during their childhood and teenage years. Then probably eating disorders and um, self-harm would be the other two there. And in terms of the media, um, in recent years, the Netflix series 13 Reason Why was released by Netflix, which sparked many public concerns. The show targeted at the youth demographic covered topics such as depression and suicide. Many reported that it almost glorified suicide in ways that weren't positive for viewers and in ways that could provide triggers for those with lived experience. In your opinion, how does the media impact on youth mental health, particularly in television shows and through the use of social media? So I think starting with TV shows, a lot of the time it creates a form of stigma. So it either um, over-exaggerates issues or it trivializes them. So a lot of the time things like depression, when they're portrayed through a character, that character ends up committing suicide or having suicidal tendencies. And there's not always a direct cor- like correlation between depression and then committing suicide. So I think a lot of the time it over-exaggerates those sorts of things. Um, there are a lot of TV shows um, that also tend to promote drug use and sort of normalize drinking and things like that amongst young people. So I think when you're watching that sort of thing in the media, it becomes almost normal and then you tend to model your behavior off that. Um, And then I think it also sometimes downplays experiences. So someone might have um, anorexia, for example, and it'll just have that character not eating as much as the others. It won't demonstrate how harmful that can actually be. And then social media, I guess the biggest issue currently would probably be FOMO, which is fear of missing out. So a lot of the time, um, young people are scrolling through their feeds 
and they're seeing what other people are doing, like they're at parties, they're going out and living the life that that young person might be wishing to live. And obviously, because people aren't posting the negative aspects of their lives, um, this person doesn't think that their life is as fulfilled as maybe someone else's is. So I'd say that's probably um, creating an issue with anxiety there with people thinking they're missing out. So that's um, how social media tends to impact on youth mental health. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there. Um, And according to a national survey, which was conducted by Headspace, in June 2020, rates of psychological distress remained high among Australian young people, with one in three people reporting high or very high levels of distress. The Mission Australia Youth Mental Health Report also stated that in times of need, adolescents struggling the most reported that they were five times less likely to seek help than those without psychological distress. So as a a youth yourself, Alessiana, why do you think that there are still barriers to seeking help, particularly that those that seemingly need it the most? I think there are three main reasons as to why um, youth don't tend to want to seek help. So firstly, it's this attitude that comes with like independence. They want to be able to go about their lives. They don't want to, you know, have to go and see an adult in order to fix their issues and things like that. It's almost sort of a rebel, a rebellious attitude that they have. So I'd say that's probably the first reason. The second one is how normalized it's become. So even in a schooling environment, you know, you might have assessment that week and people will be feeling stressed. But instead of saying, oh, I'm really stressed, they'll start going to, oh, I have um, anxiety or I'm really anxious. So I think um, people that are actually suffering from things like anxiety then tend to see everyone going around saying, oh, I've got so much anxiety. And this kind of makes them feel like, oh, everyone's suffering the same exact thing when in actual fact, these people are actually experiencing stress. So I think because they're surrounded by so many people saying that sort of thing to them, it becomes normal. And then similarly with um, people that are feeling upset for a day going around saying, oh, I'm depressed. Again, those that are actually suffering from depression tend to think, oh, well, everyone's feeling depressed. And it's just become so normalized that a lot of the time people won't actually know the difference. So they're not going to speak out and get that help. And I think finally, um, youth tend to try something once. They'll give everything a go once. So if they seek help, and they don't get the response that they're after, they're not inclined to go and maybe try another counsellor, try another psychologist. A lot of the time they'll just go, oh, this person couldn't help me, particularly within schools where I think um, a lot of the time some of the staff that students may go to aren't um, necessarily fully equipped to be dealing with um, that particular issue. So a student may go and raise a concern there and then they won't get the response they want and they're never going to go back because they don't see any point. So I think the main barriers would definitely be that they don't think that what they're suffering from is that big of a deal because people have normalized it. Um, Then secondly, that they don't think anyone can help anyway. Um, And then finally, they don't really want help to begin with. They want to go about their life without needing intervention from anyone. That's a really good point that you've made. So in relation to adults, how can they better understand the youth today and the issues that they are facing, particularly if they are different from the types of issues that were more prevalent in their generation? So I think the biggest way to do this is through communication and demonstrating an interest. So I think the sort of issue that occurs is a lot of the time adults often think that youth don't care or that they exaggerate issues. And then the youth tend to think that um, like 
adults don't care. And then you kind of end up in this situation where neither side is really initiating anything because they don't think the other side want it. So I think um, gaining information is probably the most useful thing to do here. So there's a report that just got released that was done by the Queensland Children's Youth Commission. And that was basically, it was based off results um, that a bunch of young people across Queensland, um, like they answered a bunch of questions and um, that was compiled into a report. And it basically highlights the biggest issues that youth see and I think reading things like that is something that adults could do that would really really benefit them and enable them to better connect with youth so really demonstrating that they care and they have an interest and um go like going and reading these sorts of reports that are done by youth or even initiating meetings or just demonstrating that they're there to listen particularly um like government organizations and things like that it's really important that they're reaching out and initiating conversations with youth and um getting their viewpoints in regards to being able to relate to issues that didn't exist um I think a lot of adults nowadays have some form of social media because it has become such a big part in the world. So um, like looking at what they do on social media and then understanding that what they do times that by like five and that's what youth is sort of doing on social media and just talking to people, talking to youth and um, just really making it clear that they want to engage. That's probably the biggest thing that adults could do to, you know, be able to relate and to make youth feel more welcome. And just to conclude the podcast, for those that are listening to our podcast right now that are seeking to either drive impact and change for the purposes of mental health advocacy and access, or those that are actually seeking help for themselves or a close friend or family member, what advice would you give them? So I think the first thing you need to do is get information. So it's all about getting informed. So um, research um, mental health and things like that, and then go and talk to people, Um, especially if you have like a friend or something like that that's suffering from um, an issue, go and speak to them and then speak to other people that may know about the issue and just gain as much information as possible. Um, It's really important that you're doing that before you go and start sort of advocating or trying to assist people. Um, And then if there are resources that you found through research, then definitely go and direct as many people as possible to those particular resources. And then if there aren't any, that's when you can sort of go back to school, back to youth groups, um, things like that, and ask if there are any places that those resources might exist. And then if there aren't, that's when you can kind of start thinking about next steps of promoting um, that within like organizations to hopefully get the government to implement something there so that anything that doesn't currently have resources can have like funding and things like that poured into it. That's a wrap on all of our questions for today. Thank you so much for your time today, Alisiana, and for providing a much needed perspective on youth mental health. Thanks so much for having me, Melody. It's been really great talking to you.